Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Galactic Ambition, a Star Wars Unlimited podcast, part of the Main Deck Podcast family. I'm Dan. And I'm Jason, and it's week number four. How did we get this far? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, it's, we should have like quit by now, right? Yeah, Give I've, I've given up. Not on this, but a lot of other things much sooner than this. You know what I'm disappointed about, Jason? Hmm. I, I expected you to kick off by talking about what we're wearing again, like usual. And oh, I okay. specifically, I, I specifically wore my Ahsoka Tano cardigan, which oh, is very, I, very in line with both my usual style and the episode. Uh-huh. I was already say, I kind of dropped the ball on that. I'm, I'm wearing my, my nice little Final Fantasy one t-shirt, you know. I had a really long work day today, so I didn't have time to really, you know, find something fun. So I'm, I'm going with comfortable today. You got confused and thought we were doing a Final Fantasy TCG podcast today. I know. I get yeah, it. Yeah, I get confused a lot. So, but I, I found <laughs> where my computer was and I was able to turn everything on. So, so far, so good. That's the first step. <laughs> That's the first step. Jason, just to follow up on some of our previous conversation uh, from last episode, um, you have you watched the Bad Batch yet? I haven't, and a matter of fact, I was supposed to start that this week, um, but some personal stuff with work and my you know parents. We only get one; we got to take care of them. So I did kind of drive my mom to a million places last week on my day off. So I'm kind of just behind on my general uh, leisurely viewing of Star Wars stuff and just uh, of anything that is not work related or Aaron related right now. So so this yeah. is a nice getaway. Yeah, that's great. I just bring it up because we're not going to spoil anything on the podcast in case people are not watching it intentionally, but they just dropped the trailer for The Bad Batch Season 3, the final season, releasing in one month from the recording of this, which should actually be like two weeks from the release of this. And I just have to say I'm hyped. I'm hyped. I saw your post on Twitter. I knew you were going to be popping off, so I thought that was pretty cool. The Bad Batch is... I just so was so impressed with Clone Wars, Clone Wars. Okay. Clone Wars animation for the first six seasons. It gets better actually as it goes on, but like right sure. away, it's kind of rough. It's, it's kind of rough. Um, Clone Wars season seven animation was like, holy cow, especially the last four episodes. Like they put, they put everything into that. And then Bad Batch is just like that same level of quality. I like, I remember watching the first, but like I said, I think it was about midway through season one of Bad Batch. And I was just thinking I would be okay if this was just, just Star Wars in general. Like I'd like legitimately just think it's really well done. And man, this trailer just delivered on all fronts. Holy cow. Anyway. Shout out, comment, comment down below if you are a Bad Batch fan and you're excited about Bad Batch Season 3, but do not spoil anything because I know we got some people who don't want to watch trailers like my wife. I'm excited for her to get to experience the stuff that was kind of spoiled for me in the trailer. I'm kind of like that too. I, don't, I, I like when stuff comes out, but I don't want to know too much. Like I want to yeah. be genuinely surprised. Like, you know, Final Fantasy 7 comes out at the end of the month and I basically like self-embargoed myself from looking at anything yeah that, but yeah well it came out also tw- don't don't <laughs> even say what you're about to say because i could say <laughs> stuff too <laughs> but don't do that <laughs> don't have that discussion with me right now <laughs> i have to i regretfully have to inform you about a character a remake, death in that game the remake well we don't know if that's going to happen but we're not going to talk about that because it's a retelling. <laughs> and anyway this is a star wars podcast and speaking of star wars um so Last week after, well, not last week, to pull the curtain back like a few days ago when we talked about this, but uh, we're talking <laughs> to you guys from the past, from very much the past, because Dan and I have a very busy next few weeks. So we're, we're talking to you from way back in time. And we're um, trying, we're doing our best to be on time, even though the last episode as of releasing this was not on time, but is released now. Yeah. We're still trying to be on time with this one. We're trying really hard. Everyone, if, if your takeaway from this whole thing is that we're trying and we should get those, this is where you put that award on the screen is like, you tried and you put our names <laughs> on it. Um, so Everyone, kind of, like, they, the main deck, those main deck guys, they, you know, they try. <laughs> like, they, they try. They, they, yeah. That could just be our new thing. You know, they, we, we tried. tried and then everyone, <laughs> oh yeah, they tried. They're the, they're those people who tried. Um, but part of my kind of like, 
as the discussion last week was aspects was to kind of mess around with the game on the online client. Um, after, you know, kind of like self-imposing myself from as a big person that likes to have the cards in front of me and touch it. And you were absolutely right about the AI was going on with that. I get it. I get it. There are very severe limitations on the experience. Yes. But immediately after two or three games, I was like, I must be the best player in the world. And then I'm yeah. like, you were not. You were not the best player in the world. <laughs> some of the players. I'm were really glad. Dicey. I'm excited that you jumped on you. You played some. What, what were you playing with? I was I was playing uh, the kind of aggression decks that we were kind of touching on and stuff like that. Yeah. Just because I would, you know, as we know, and as we talked about, I'm very aggressive. As we talked about other games, especially games I've been trying recently, I always lean to the ag- aggressive decks or something that's a little more slanted toward a, a, a little bit of a quicker game. I, I'm not here for a long time. I'm just here for a good time. So that's kind of my goal with the decks I like to play. And if I am going to be here for a long time, I want to just do really stupid stupid stuff i don't like to dirtle i want to just play my big dumb idiot and go so yeah it was a lot of fun um kind of looking forward to my day off on friday to mess with it a bit more and um hopefully try some more decks and now that i'm actively looking at people's list online and trying to explore it more understanding that a we are talking about this stuff each week and b eventually i'm gonna have to 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 demo this locally to start really hyping it up as we get close to release yes Yep, absolutely. Um, and then another thing that was kind of cool was like since the last episode, well, when this releases, we probably seen the final leader. But since the last one, we got the final vigilance leader, um, which we we mentioned in that episode. We don't know who it is, and uh, and we got a very interesting cheer at Imway, which was cool to see. It was the speculated one? Like everyone thought. I actually, I was I was on record in the main deck Discord as thinking it was not cheer yeah. but I'm pleasantly surprised. Um, and he is fascinating, fascinating card on his leader side. He doesn't die from damage during the action phase, um, which is like at first I like I underrated this guy. But like we're talking about like vigilance decks that can play aggressively. I still don't think he can really play too aggressively, um, but a little more than some of the other ones. But I underrated him right away because I'm like, well, like. I don't know. He just dies. Then later you have to do some pretty specific stuff. turns out just putting a lightsaber on him. Yeah. He's, he's a beast. Yeah. Holy it cow. turns out that Voltron decks are pretty good. Just a yeah. game in general. And this is like, and, and I'm kind of in the same camp. You are. We, we all kind of saw it. We we're just kind of like, and I remember the general discussion was like, well, cool. But like, what do we do with this? And as it turns out, just giving a lightsaber to him really just kind of went a long way into making this card kind of nasty and kind of something that, vigilance doesn't really have like doesn't really do like in their kit so this is kind of like a final piece of the kit that we didn't know they were even gonna do and i'm surprised about this ability as much as anybody else and especially like the the action ability like that was immediately what people called out like this is not like how do we how do we mess with this and how do we use it i I still don't think it's the strongest front side after i've been doing a little bit of messing around with it again against ai it's like you know, it's like it only half counts, right? Right. But it just it does give me a feel for the situations where I can like thinking uh, like thinking about my opponent's plays as if they were not a dumb robot. Um, it it lets me see like when I think some of that stuff would be useful, and it's it's honestly tough to find situations where this plus O plus two is useful. It's like on I've had I had one play I think where I put a sentinel down, and I'm like, okay, and now because I can give this plus two. It means that my sentinel will be able to take two things out instead of dying to the first thing when they attack into it, which then the opponent might just not <laughs> do that, yeah. you know? So it's like it, which is fine because then they're not attacking as much, but like, yeah, it's just, it's not the most impactful front side, but that flip side, man, that's, that's like having a consistent force user. That's the big thing who drops at turn five, just like access to that. That isn't like a a slightly later drop like Luke is really cool, even though it's like flavorfully weird to give him lightsabers. Um, Yeah. But uh, we can bend the rules if it's good. Yeah, it's it's (laughs) honestly like who didn't want to give Donnie Yen lightsabers watching Rogue One? Everyone, I swear, everyone left that theater like just a massive cheer it stan. Because yeah. he stole the show in every single scene 
Donnie was in. And you like, you just want, you were like, you know what? He should basically be a Jedi, like honorary Jedi, at least. And if you watch any of like the other movies he's in and the martial arts movies he's been, it's like you want to see what he could do with that thing just for like the technical yeah. aspect and watching him move around and so, so awesome. But uh, you kind of touched on something I wanted to touch on real quick. Deploying at five is really awesome. I think yep. having like there was a little bit of spe- speculation they may not deploy at five. He may, but obviously it's been kind of symmetrical. But the fact that he comes out at five really sets up to having that force user at a consistent time. And like you said, his stat line isn't the greatest, but at the same time, does it really matter all too much? He's got five toughness, which is a good number uh, for uh, all sorts of things. And Outside the of takedown that, range. Yep, exactly, exactly. And we want to really kind of highlight that. And I think it's really exciting to see what um, people are going to do with this, especially um, kind of like the Bogles player in my mind for magic references. I immediately gravitate to something like this. So it's got me interested in vigilance when I really am not kind of into what they're doing. I'm sorry. I, I have to correct myself. I misspoke. It is within takedown range. It's outside of open fire range. Right. Um, that's I yeah, misspoke there. And that's important too, because like, I don't, I, this isn't supposed to be the cheered MWA cast, but like when the, the, I don't still don't know, even though he's I underrated him. I don't know if he's going to be top tier um, or anything because it's it's kind of intricate playing him appropriately against a skilled player because the players who are doing things like holding up takedown, they they like in this game, you're going to see your opponent's leader and base at the start of the game. So, you know, kind of some of the play patterns you need to expect. You see Jared and play, you know, okay. They're going to flip to put Jared out and then they're going to try to put him. That's the key. They're try to put something on him to take him outside of that takedown range and, and uh, allow themselves time to heal him and everything to really take advantage of his abilities. And uh, so your opponent is going to prepare for that. And so you need to be like trying to outthink the opponent, like try to get the opponent to take the initiative or something before you flip him out while still having the resources to like put the lightsaber or something on him. That's and that's that's the tricky part. Um, the fact that he's in takedown range is actually the reason that he's uh, he's not quite as potent as he would have been. I, I I agree with all that, but it also lends to the core components of the game and kind of the tit for tat and kind of trying to to know when the make make the right move. So I can understand that, but I also think it lends really well into the gameplay gameplay loop. So, so I'm really kind of excited to see what people do and how other people kind of embrace and and, and build this leader. I will say this is the first deck where I was looking through the list and I actually thought about putting repair in um, the, the the one cost uh, event to heal three damage from sure. something. I was like, like, maybe, <laughs> maybe I didn't uh, ultimately. He, d- but he didn't. OK, <laughs> he did. You thought about it. You tried. I did. Well, you, you didn't I try, did. actually. I mean, now my favorite so far it. has been um, has been command. Uh, cheer it for anyone wondering um, which has a lot of good sentinels to play um, including bright hope which is sort of like healing because Mm -hmm. you bounce something it's like a bunch of restore units and stuff very it's a very me deck it's a very just kind of like I'm playing a bunch of card choices specifically to beat Sabine and just kind of control the board grind get down a cheer it with a lightsaber or Luke with a lightsaber go to town there you go. Dan is playing a very boring deck. You hear here first. All right. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's a really fun deck. No, no, I'm, I'm on kidding. the edge I'm of my kidding. seat the whole time because the opponents got me down to like four and I'm like, ah, <laughs> I actually put redemption in this list. That was a that was a card I haven't gotten to play yet because redemption feels really good here. Being oh. able to just like uh, it, like you can lighten the game if they like finally put enough damage on cheer to take them down. You're like, nope, actually, you just took down most of redemption. Congratulations. You did it. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty late, though. The game doesn't usually go quite there, so I don't know about that, but it's been fun. It's anyway. always fun to build and speculate. Yes. So uh, today, Jason, as the viewers know, we wanted to talk about bases, which is kind of similar to Cheer It in that they start and play, but different in a, a lot of other ways in that they're not Donnie Yen. That is true. Location. I have not seen one that is yet, but that could be a future design choice. <laughs> the Donnie Yen base would be awesome. Yeah, it would be. Um, before we jump into that, I have to mention, as usual, just if you are a listener to the podcast, you know this is the thing we do. Um, 
Just a quick couple notes on how you can support us if you do enjoy listening to Galactic Ambition and any of the other Main Deck Podcast family podcasts. You can always like, comment, subscribe to the channel if you want to. If you, you like this, you want to get them sent to your ears more often and you just want to show us you care. Um, Five-star ratings on your podcast platform if you're listening on one of those. Also super helpful. Really appreciate all of that. And as we approach Star Wars Unlimited's release in March... If you are getting excited and want to start ordering your singles for your favorite cheer at Imway deck or whatever you're building uh, or your dumb aggro decks like Jason likes, you can do that on TCG player using our affiliate link. You'll pay the same great TCG player price, but you also send, they send a little bit of kickback to us, which is really cool. Link for that's down in the description. Uh, or you can type bit.ly slash shop TCGs. That's bit.ly slash shop TCGs. Thank you so much for your support. Jason, what what's a what's a base anyway? Like what what even is that? Let's let's touch our touch base on that. Oh yeah, good yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Good one. When we were like thinking of the name for this, that was like like it was that well, I don't remember the other one, but it was like one A and one B. Do you covering, remember what covering bases? Oh yeah. Or something? So, covering something our like bases. That. I I now that you say that, I remember that conversation after the last podcast, but I literally was doing nothing but video editing. From the moment we turned that off until like today, I literally actually took a day off work just to finish editing my oh, video yeah, yeah. as well. Um, that is brutal, I was, but it works for the love of the game. It was like 14 to 16 hour editing days the last three days. So I completely forgot that we had even talked about this as a topic or the the names we talked about. But well, yeah, go ahead. I'm, introduce the audience. I'm just keeping you honest here. So uh, we're, we're talking about our bases today. And um, it kind of ties into our discussion on the previous cast about aspects. And I kind of remember we stopped it and we kind of did our cool down like we always do and kind of just chat it up and catch up and everything else. I was like, oh, man, we didn't talk about bases. Like, that's perfect. Let's just talk about it. Uh, for a whole episode. And I think it's actually a really kind of interesting concept to me. Like uh, I, I kind of want to dig into why, why bases today. So um, first thing we want to talk about is we've got four, we've got one for each of the main aspects. And I, I I'd be remiss to, you know, not talk about the lore aspects of these bases. Um, the idea that this thematic to the universe. So Dan, uh, in terms of the bases, uh, how do you feel about, what the bases represent in the lore or how they correlate to the card game itself. Okay. Yeah. So the, you know, when, when you're approaching a new TCG, there's for the people creating it, there's obviously a lot of directions they can go from the very start. It's very easy to just make like magic clones. Um, and it's a little more difficult to think outside the box and figure out how to do certain things, but no matter how you develop your game, especially if it's based on an IP, you want to find ways to represent the iconic parts of that IP to everyone else. So, you know, if you're, you're going to go into the, the one piece card game and you're going to expect to see Luffy and everyone that, you know, from the anime, I was, I was going to make a joke. I was going to say, you're going to expect to see the one piece because I'm aware that nobody even knows what that is. But, uh, then I just, Anyway, I just decided it would be better to make a lame reference to the bad joke afterwards. Okay, so that's that was a good comedy session from Dan. But uh, you want to include all the iconic aspects of whatever the IP is. So in the case of Star Wars, it's obvious that there are there's a literally it's built around a galaxy far, far away where the the visual aspect of Star Wars and and all of the unique planets like George Lucas made a point of going to like three different planets, three different, three different sci-fi settings in every single movie. Um, and the later filmmakers often carried that torch as well. And just making sure, and, and the shows just showing interesting new locales because part of science fiction is just this wonder of seeing what could a, a world that isn't ours look like. So it, honestly just would have been a shame to not have some way of showing these locations in the game. And I'm really glad that fantasy flight took that to heart and implemented, you know, the, the, the idea of bases. Um, and in a, in a way that I'm going to reference. So destiny, star Wars destiny did it as well. Um, however, the method they chose for unlimited, I'm a much bigger fan of, uh, than, than how they did it in destiny. So in unlimited, you get to choose a base 
And that base is your starting health total and possibly effects as well. Whereas in Destiny, it was like a battleground that you were like fighting over and you would seize the seize the thing and switch the base and whatever. And they kind of went in and out and had different effects. And And I wasn't as big a fan of that, mechanically speaking. But either way, there were both ways of approaching, you know, showing these locales. Um, for Spark of Rebellion, as Jason said, we have three each for the four different aspects. And um, lore-wise, you know, they do a pretty good job of covering many of the major regions from the Galactic Civil War era um, with, I'd say, a particular push towards the Rebels and Rogue One era stuff, which is good because um, we're going to get lots of original trilogy content, I'm sure, over time. It's like, how do you not, you know, go back to the original trilogy all the time? Um, So we have like, Two that take place on Jeddah, which is from Rogue One. We have a Lothal and a and an Adalon, which are both from Rebels. Scarif, oh sorry, Scarif from Rogue One too. Three from three from Rogue One. We have a Vardos, which is an interesting one. This is from Battlefront too, um, because Iden Versio is in the uh, is in Unlimited as well. Um, and then you got a you got a Death Star, you got a Hoth, you got a Dagobah. You have, oh yeah, and Yadu. Yadu is another, so it's four from Rogue One. I'm sorry, Yadu is also from Rogue One. So yeah, four from Rogue One, two from Rebels, uh, one from Battlefront, and then a few from the original trilogy. Um, really just kind of covering our bases of some of the key points of the Galactic Civil War. Notably not going past Empire, though. Uh, no Endor, no Death Star 2, no no Tatooine. Is that kind of weird, actually? Oh, there's a Cloud City as well. I didn't mention that. Yeah. But that Cloud City is Empire too. Isn't it weird though to have a the game comes out and the planet that they go to the most out of anything isn't one of the bases? They're they're, they're saving that to they're keeping us on our toes and they're saving that for future future design and and future sets and just because now that we've mentioned it now it might be like three or four sets before we see it. No, because we mentioned on the podcast, they're going to reveal oh, a 13th right, right. base, kinda, and it's going to be oh, Tatooine. Yeah. We will things into Actually, I would say they here. probably didn't include it because they were familiar with the fact that sand makes certain people uncomfortable due to how coarse and irritating it is and how it gets everywhere. It's really nice that they kind of thought about people's comfort as they play this game. You know, yeah. And we, we really need more developers that are kind of in tune with what people's comfort levels and what they need as they're playing. So I think that's great. Good point. Yep. Thanks. But yeah, that's, that's like from a, from kind of a lore perspective, you know, it's, it's cool. It's cool to be able to pick your, um, you, an, an important thing to point out about this is that a bunch of these are, have no effect. There are 30 health bases with no effect. So every, every, uh, aspect has two of them, um, that have no effect. And currently in the game, it's just, would you rather look at a picture of echo base or a picture of the death star? <laughs> right. Um, but they all have a keyword for the location that they're from. So command center is the death star base and echo base is the Hoth base. Um, and that is, I'm sure we'll talk about this more later, but that is an area of future design space as well. which should be really fun to see. For sure. Um, so you already kind of touched on, I was going to talk about because this could have just been our health. We could have never just had a base. We could have just had 30 hit points or, you know, obviously to the design space when we talk about the 25 hit points base. So I thought it was really cool because what it's doing is it's trying to immerse the player into as much aspects of the universe as possible. Um, many other games, you have a life point resource or something. So, so kind of just uh, clerical in nature, procedural, I guess is the word I'm looking for. I have 30 health. You are trying to get me, the person, down to 30 hit points. So the fact that we are having a base that we are set up out of uh, kind of lends to more of uh, an immersive experience, I think. And especially that's going to help uh, newer players get into a game when down the line there's a larger base selection and and maybe all the 30 kind of do-nothing bases, you know, you can kind of pick your flavor a little bit deeper than that. And it kind of, I just think it's really cool that they went the route of, okay, here are these um, locales and famous locations that are, like you said, prided on in the movies, especially like some of the iconic memories I have of the movies before I started watching them growing up is how the scenes would transition 
from place to place and how drastic it would be. And to yeah. me, when I see those, I immediately go back to that. So I, I think that's kind of, it tickles kind of like a nostalgic part of my brain, most importantly. So that, so just on a personal level, I thought that was really cool too. I mean, even in, even in the sequel trilogy and the recent movies, they've gone out of their way to make some very beautiful looking or very interesting looking locations. I, I still remember it. I mean, Force Awakens in theaters was pretty magical for me because it was the first time. Uh, I mean, it had been many years since I had gone to a, a Star Wars movies in, in theaters. You know, I got to see one, two and three in theaters um, when I was a, a kid through high school. Um, but for this one, my wife and I got to go together and and that was just kind of special um, as well, especially just considering that she like she finally got to see like Ray and she got to like really feel um Ray instantly became her favorite character. She got this immediate sort of representation attachment to it. So we like we came out of Force Awakens loving every second of that movie. And I remember still when they when they landed on Takodana with the planet where um, Mazes Ma- Mazes sorry I don't said Maz I'm not sure why I said that Mazes um, that was like we hadn't seen a just a lush, beautiful planet with a big lake on it and everything with these nice deciduous trees and everything. Um, we hadn't really seen one quite like that. Like Naboo's the closest one I could think in, in live action maybe, which obviously has a lot of water, but um, it was so, it was so cool to just do that stark contrast between they leave Jakku, like literal, like just graveyard of ships, deserted planet everywhere into this lush, lush environment. And it's just like, it reminds you of how much like just kind of visual storytelling you can do with that and how you can really engage with your audience. Um, and just, again, just like bring kind of wonder to every moment of these movies. The thing like Star Wars is such a, like I said, right away, Star Wars is such a visual experience. Um, I think the books are cool and everything. Um, I'm still in the middle of reading one. I have a slow go at them when I try to read them. It's but like when I watch Star Wars, man, that's like when I am. Yeah, it's just part of it to me. So love seeing that. Yeah, it's great that we can immerse ourselves and hopefully immerse ourselves even further as uh, bases come out down the line. So we kind of touched about the 30 hit point bases and we can do a real quick rundown. And and really what it is, is um, we have 30 hit points and we have the 25 with the epic action. So first, let's talk about. Uh, the 25 hit points with uh, hit point bases with the um, epic actions and kind of gloss over those real quick, kind of talk about those benefits, why we'd want to go that over having that extra uh, five point buffer. Yeah. Yeah. The, the bases, I mean, this is an interesting design decision um, or I should say an interesting deck building decision that players have to make every time that they sit down to build a deck, which is like, are you willing in this deck to sacrifice some of your your HP for an effect. Um, my immediate inkling when I saw these start to be revealed was I would always want to do that. And that has not turned out to be quite the case, um, which has been quite interesting. There are, I think all of these bases have very good uses, but it's really more dependent on the deck style and decks that are going to have trouble going a little later in the game where they can recover often need that extra HP, but there are other cases where taking that five HP hit for some of these epic actions, even if you're trying to go later, will buy you more HP than that five HP would have been, which so technically buys you more time. So we'll talk about them here. We'll start just a, I, when I search the list, the first one that comes up is vigilance. So uh, security complex, the vigilance one, it's 25. They're, they're all 25 health. I don't need to keep saying that 25 health. Um, Epic action, give a shield token to a non-leader unit. Um, the non-leader part's really important because like right when I read this, I, I I just didn't, I was like selectively read that. I read what I wanted to read, which is that <laughs> just give a shield token to a unit, oh, right. which was like, yeah, like I was like, wow, that's the best base. Like, because giving a shield token to your leader is really good for a lot of leaders. <laughs> uh, you can't do that. Uh, but you can shield a sentinel. And you can shield uh, that Luke Skywalker who's going to win you the game if he keeps swinging. And he will. Um, you can do that. That that kind of stuff's great. Energy Conversion Lab, or as the, the meme in the community is, Energy Conversation Lab, um, <laughs> is uh, epic action. 
play a unit that costs six or less from your hand. You do have to pay the cost. Just being clear, it give it ambush for this phase. Um, Energy Conversion Lab to me is the one that I'm most likely to run in a deck that wants to go later, despite the five health loss, because ambushing with something it almost like you can make an argument for just about any phase of the game. Getting an ambush on something you were going to play anyway can save you that five HP like easy, easily. Um, so I would have to ha- I'd have to be a meta that is very very particular, like a non interactive burn deck that just takes me out too fast would be the reason I would run Echo Base or Command Center over this. Otherwise, this one is the one that usually makes the cut for me. That's either really good deck building advice for you or really awful. I don't know yet because the game isn't out. Um, Tarkin Town and Aggression has the epic action of deal three damage to a damaged non-leader unit. Um, this one's interesting because it requires stuff to be damaged to deal that damage, but it uh, gets rid of sentinels and stuff that you've dealt a little bit of damage to. Um it does take an action. One thing about aggressive decks, if it's an aggressive aggression deck, is like you sometimes are really vying to try and keep the initiative as well. And having more actions to perform is a little annoying in that regard. So um, I can definitely see people playing Kestra City or Catacombs of Kadera instead because that's kind of the like anti-aggression aggression base. If you want to like win the mirror, yeah. maybe. Um and then I'm going to get you to chime in on everything after I finish. I'm just going through the oh, last one. Sure. No, City. Epic action on Genesis, which is the cunning one. Give a non-leader unit minus four, minus O for this phase. Um, and that one's also really interesting, kind of control oriented. Obviously, like it, it's saving you five health to save you four health that turn at best. Um, but when you also attack into the thing, in order to and it's like saves your unit and stuff it's like there it's like it's actually saving you the potentially the four health on the swing into you and then the the health on the unit you swung with into their unit so that one's interesting too i think that one's a, got a pretty decent argument in those cunning longer game decks or just cunning decks trying to beat aggro um but it, it's yeah, it's just kind of kind of depend on how much swinging you want to do with your guys. So Jason, those those are 25 health bases. That's it. As, as far as we understand, I don't think there's any other bases in this set um, except the, that surprise Tatooine one that we predicted yeah, now. The one that's going to come out as soon as. This um, and done. so in set one, which we're talking about more later, but like those are our options. So Jason, how, how, how what's your take on all these 25 health bases? Sure. So I'm kind of in alignment with you on a uh, security complex. Again, um, reading what we want to read to me, I was like, oh, I hate this card. This card's going to make me very upset. <laughs> I was like, this card's yeah. going to frustrate me. And it still does. It still, it still does. Um, obviously, shield is extremely powerful. And you're right. You could get it onto your Luke or another unit you really want to stick onto the board. It's just another layer of protection they have to get through. And it just makes things, it's, it's doing what Vigilance is already doing, and it's just making it a little stickier. So I could get behind that. I think you're, you're right, maybe about the five extra hit points. But again, if we're looking at the longevity of a unit staying around a bit longer, to either chip away or um, to use it for whatever nefarious machinations we may all be up to, I think the extra shield token is probably good. Um, Energy Conversion Lab is, is my favorite, um, personally, of the bunch. Uh, ambush is super strong. Again, um, sometimes the best removal we have is our, our own cards, our units, and everything else. So um, sometimes it's just going to make a answer um, to uh, to probably a problem on the board that isn't just say uh, kill a unit or something like that. I could slam something into something, get it off the board, great, boom, bomb, done. Tarkenton is probably my least favorite of the four if only because it doesn't really align with what I would want to be doing if I was in aggression. Um, I'm trying to go through you or into your base 
if and, and the, the fact that it has to be to a damaged unit already really kind of makes things squirrely. So it's already a non-leader unit and it already needs to be damaged as well. So it feels very tight. And again, when the action economy is so important for just keeping your foot on the gas and having that extra action you need to, to potentially do kind of improve your game when really I could just swing with another unit or just straight up use a tactic to kind of get ahead. I think I'd much rather do that and have the extra hit points, especially for what the burgeoning metagame is right now of aggression decks and aggressive strategies. I think I'd rather have the five extra HP in that. Um, and as far as Shedda City, I think it's probably my second favorite of the bunch. Again, this kind of does almost what Energy Conversion Lab is doing for me and my brain, but in a different way. Now I'm going to keep my unit and probably get rid of something I don't want on the board, something that's been giving me a problem. And not only that, I'm getting that off the board or the Swiss Army Knife other side of it. I could prevent the four hit points if I'm in a downturn where I'm like, oh man, that thing's going to smack me. So I think I like the, the utility of it in that regard. I could either use it for a favorable trade or I could use it to prevent uh, one of my units from going down or I could use it to just kind of buffer my health in a kind of a tit for tat kind of game. I want to point out just something about Tarkintown that uh, has come up a lot in, in my play with it where um, it does... It, it has shown its value for these aggression decks um, to play, which is that like when you're playing an aggressive deck, the way you lose the game is having your board answered. Mm-hmm. And as you just said, the way that you often answer the board is just by attacking uh, your units into them. So naturally, it's it's actually uncommon for you have to for you to have to go out of your way to deal damage to something in order to like have a good activation with it. Um, it's more often that they already killed something and you put one damage on them and Tarkintown just takes it out. Now, Tarkintown, the big thing, again, it says non-leader, right? Yeah. So it's like, as much as I want to use that to finish Sabine off, I never can. Um, so, yeah, Tarkintown's interesting. I think it's I think it's probably a pretty good design, though, because I like I I go back and forth constantly on whether I think it's valuable to have or the, the 30 health is valuable to have, where... Where I feel like I could, I I would personally say that energy conversion, I won't say conversation, energy conversion <laughs> lab is maybe on the the slightly stronger end where I have a hard time wanting to play a 30 health base with conversion lab and play. There's also like tricks that you can do with some of these bases. Conversion lab, one of my favorite ones, it's not the biggest impact play with conversion lab, but Sometimes in these like tight early games where you you need to provide an answer to something early while also progressing yourself towards a sort of a a, a late game with the villainy version specifically, uh, using conversion lab to, to ambush with a super laser technician. Yeah, is is I think we maybe mentioned that in one episode very very briefly, or I, at least I've talked about it to someone at some point. Mm-hmm. I can't remember, but like that's a fun play. That you can, with the right setup, you can take out a threatening unit, um, and then you immediately can use that resource to gain a little bit of tempo that turn. Uh, playing the the super, where normally you would have just like played the super laser tech, and then your opponent would have been like, "Well, not killing that," and then you would have just played something smaller. You can maybe play another play that's a little more impactful, and the next turn you're ramped ahead because um, right. the super laser tech's resource comes in ready. Also, um, I and that's like. It's that kind of stuff that's really fun, but then also just like the fact that you can like with Conversion Lab getting restore activations immediately, like Conversion Lab Kanan into play is like uh, take something out, get that heal. Conversion Lab uh, Zebarelios is in the Hera deck like a power play because usually that means I'm taking out two things that turn, um, dropping Zeb down. It's like, like there's some good, good plays you can make with these. Yeah, and I think you kind of touched on it lightly and where I was going to head to next is, so why the 30 or why the 25? And I think it's been pretty well designed from a standpoint that there's an argument to play either because immediately, like you said, oh, these have abilities. I I want to have access to an ability. I want that. So I'm always going to gravitate to that. Um, But I think it lends to so far what we've seen from the game and what people are trying to do and what we're going to try to do as the game comes out ourselves, that understanding of that extra five hit points is probably going to be pretty crucial. And especially maybe in the early parts of the metagame, and especially as people are just trying out this game for the first time, um, it's kind of known that when new games come out in general, the 
the most popular decks are usually the most aggressive decks because they're usually the most they're the easiest to teach with. They're the easiest to kind of give to somebody and say, okay, here's what you're doing. You're going to take this guy and you're going to turn it sideways, you know, and, and people are like, sweet, I, I can do that. You know, so I, <laughs> so in, in my eyes, I really like the idea of a 25 to 30 hit point uh, base. I think that there's definite arguments for running either one. I, I don't think you're necessarily incorrect in either just understanding it's probably going to be twofold. One is a local metagame call, um, especially in the onset um, if you have a lot of uh, aggressive decks in your metagame, you probably are just like, you know what, I'm just going to take this one headache off my brain. I'm just going to run one of these 30 hit point bases. And two, it's going to be player preference. And do I want to do more cool stuff, which is where I go. That's always my tiebreaker. Do I want to do something cooler? Or do I want to do something more flashy? So I'm always going to le- lean to something like energy conversation lab since I have to get in on that now too. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. I have to take a bite of that. I got to take a bite of that steak. Um, and I, <laughs> and uh, I think that's where I'm at so far with them. Uh, but I definitely think that there's a lot of discussion and uh, about the 25 to 30 hit points. And I do think that most uh, there's not going to be really a wrong choice. And I think that it's just going to be a lot of what players really want to do on the onset. I don't know what you're at with that, Dan, but I think we're kind of aligned with that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Totally. Again, I like, I think you're going to see some like, like conversion lab, um, maybe Jetta city too, that are like, just feels like we're getting that value back a little more consistently, but this all could change in future sets as well. When like suddenly, you know, you're playing like the new, I'm making this up Lando leader who is like, if you have cloud city base, then this is what you do. And like, why? Okay. I don't want to play Jetta city anymore. That's out. I'm playing cloud city. Right. And it's kind of funny that you mentioned that. Cause that's where we're going next. So let's talk about yeah, the future yeah. of where we think, man, you're getting good at this. I know. Man, I'm, I'm, it's like, I can really read good. your mind. Yeah. You can read my mind. Uh, so the future of bases, what do we think they're going to do? What do we think that's going to happen? And maybe uh, a set or two down the line to kind of, we've already have this baseline baseline <laughs> and where are we going with it what what, what are your kind one. of uh, man chalk one up to the team here we tried um where do you think we're headed in the future what kind of ideas that you might have that we think would be cool to implement i am i'm really pumped for the future of star wars unlimited i think one one thing about this tcg in particular is that fantasy flight i think really I think they really honed in on a pretty much a core set of mechanisms in set one. Um, I think they produced a wonderful game with this core set of digestible, understandable mechanics that work and play well together. Um, But I think Fantasy Flight is not a stranger to developing their game out more from their sort of base set of rules. You can see this in, I mean... Again, we'll just reference Destiny because it's such an easy reference point for I think uh, there's a chunk of our audience that that knows that one. But like the things things added to Destiny later on that were not in the initial set of Destiny. It was uh, I don't remember what it was called. Uh, Awakening, the Awakening, Awakenings or something. So I think it was called Awakenings um, and things like indirect damage. Things like, uh, I'm going to forget what some of these card types were called and stuff, but there was that type of card where it could fill in points in your, 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 like you could maybe take two characters and then you could take this perk card or something that gave you like a little, a little extra thing. And they started to do some pretty wild stuff. Like the one that let you play Ray and Kylo together, even though one was hero and one was villain. Um, if you played that card with them. Um, so they like to take these ideas and then they, and they build them out. They added like the mission card things that were, they were adding later. And then they were like the canceled set with all the, like the green wild cards, the monster cards and everything. So fantasy flight is always willing to kind of build things out into crazy directions. So we have some simple directions, right? Like I already mentioned, you have your Hoth theme deck, you have your cloud city theme deck and everything where suddenly like you, you start looking like, Oh, actually administrators tower is really cool in this one. Because I really want that benefit from having, like, when I get my Cloud City troopers, when I put out my Tabana gas miners, they they get to generate a resource when I have a Cloud City base or something, right? Like, you get stuff like that. But um, you have some, 
you have some crazier things that they can start to do with these bases. Not only are we going to see abilities on these, right? Like there's again, basic stuff like more abilities that cost you health to get. Sure. Like imagine what, what does an ability do if it starts you with a five health base or something like that right. would be really hard to balance, but you know, they could go that crazy. Um, or what's a drawback that you yeah. could put on a 35 health base. Yeah. Right. Like that stuff's all really cool. I guess, let me, let me pass it off to you. What do you think of like those basic adjustments? Like, do you have anything you expect to see? No, I, I, th- you kind of took what I was going to say. I think I wouldn't be surprised if we saw basics with a higher hit point pool with a drawback. I don't know how you balance that drawback just yet, but I would not be surprised if we see that. And at all, it just ends to another, uh, it's another simple layer of basic gameplay, <laughs> basic gameplay you can add in. <laughs> and it's it and so, it, the, the puns never stop this is great we get to see this one forever we have stuff forever um and it kind of leads to just the simplistic aspect of where the, the the where they're trying to go with the bases you can go creep it up with the give it an ability or power and then give it maybe a bit of a drawback I, again i don't i can't even articulate or speculate how that drawback would work just yet i don't I don't want to say something and have the, oh man, that'd be insane. I'd never play that. Well, that's why I'm not designing the game, dummy. But um, anyway, <laughs> anyway, no, you know, it's one of those things that I just can't wrap my head around just yet. But I also think it's as we play the game more, we'll kind of discover that. Um, for me, something I would like to really see with the bases is um, attach that heroic or villainy aspect on some of them bases. And we could really start get cooking with some stuff. And that... You could kind of tune them in a bit of a different way. You could probably make them a little bit more stronger because now it's more narrow. Now you can only do this if you're doing this. And I think that would be really cool. That's something I would like to see. Just utilizing the aspect system, you know, something they don't have in set one are cards that are double heroism or double villainy. And imagine, you know, we have a, we have a uh, Yavin four Masasai base deck uh, a base card or something that it's called ba- Masasai base already that's why i got confused Masasai base base um and on that one let's say it's like it says it's command heroism it has this i mean the problem with putting that on is then you could have like vader unlocking heroism but it can have a line of text that says you yeah. you must have a heroism uh uh character or leader in order to yeah. play this as your base. And then suddenly you have these cards that are like mega payoffs for when you go to these like specific, or it could even just be just heroism, like you were saying. And, but then you have like these heroism payoff cards or something, double heroism cards that, that then like, you know, you create new archetypes that way too. Yeah. And it's, this is only things that'll happen. And like, this is just as the card pool branches out. Um, I think the idea of just doing the colored bases with one of those symbols on it in general is really cool and kind of restricting it to, Oh, I obviously need to be, uh, have that aspect on my leader. But again, I, as the game unfolds, like imagine something like that, you know, thinking about, uh, with the card pool, if it's good enough to support something like that, to have these really kind of powerful bases but you're restricted in another way based on your deck building i think that would be another interesting layer for the deck building mind me that um likes to come out from time to time and really kind of theory craft and brew like would it be worth this kind of drawback of being so narrow it would have to be something really cool but i also think too for like the flavor and lore thematics of the game too i think people would really like that as well to kind of explore like oh this is solely for villainy solely for heroism or you know here's a command base with the villainy aspect on it and it kind of lends more into what uh, my leader is doing and kind of stuff like that and just to like touch on that sort of like bringing in the thematics even stronger like i think star wars unlimited is actually pretty impressive in the way that it, it handles thematics in general like it's it's not the decipher ccg okay like that's and like we have to get that out of the way right away because that was a game that is so heavily, heavily into simulation that it actually, it gets a little bit away from that elegant gameplay that tends to make a successful long-term TCG. Um, as much as I love that game and, and credit so much of my engagement in TCGs to it. Um, so if you compare those two things, it's it's like comparing a picture your you know three year old nephew made to a Picasso painting. It's like, well, you know, I can see the similarities between these things, but <laughs> there one of them is Picasso and the other is a 
pizza that you're telling me is a is your dad and like i just can't tell the difference um so despite that though i think there are ways that the, the game currently evokes thematics in the way certain cards play um but there are also things that they can build into the game going forward that will evoke those thematics in an even stronger way um, on the one side, the simple way, like you said, of like, just kind of making the, ma- like right now I can play the death star command center with, uh, with Sabine or so, you know, I'm sure there's a better example of someone who just doesn't feel right with it. Like, mm-hmm. but I can do that. Um, but it'd be, you know, it'd be cool if it were a little more locked in and in, in some future ideas. But another thing you could do is you can start to build in bases. Bases don't just have, have to have like an epic action. They can, what if they have an action? Well, not an action. What if they had an effect that you like? You have to build. Um, let's say let's what you have, what if you have a base that's the Death Star? It's another Death Star base, but this one you have to like put resources into it every turn, and you like you build a Death Star, and then once you've built it to a certain stage, then you gain access to like you uh, you win the game effect. You like blow up let's your go. opponent's base. You know, you like 30 damage to your opponent's base, but it takes takes all this building. So like you can do stuff there. There's there's a lot of room. There's a lot of room to do that kind of stuff or introduce other card types. You could start the game with if they really want to. That would be like a way down the line thing, I would imagine. But like there's so much potential for this this basic infrastructure that they have that I'm I just excited to see. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited, too. And I, I really hope that we get some really cool base designs in the future. And as far as the future holds, we don't know what's going to happen next, but I do know what's going to happen now. We're going to call it a day for the episode four of Galactic Ambition, part of the Main Deck podcast family. As always, we really appreciate each and every one of you taking the time out of your day to listen to us yap on and and make terrible puns or or terrible comparisons or just terrible anything. As long as you don't think we're terrible, we're pretty happy. So um, you just can't do that. Yeah, you you just are actually not allowed. So if you actually think that, turn it off right now, um, and 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 don't come back. No, seriously. Thank you guys so much for listening to us this week. We'll be back in two weeks with episode number five. Excited to talk about whatever we're going to figure out. If you have anything you want us to talk about, you could always comment and let us know. We appreciate each and every one of you. And for Dan, I'm Jason. You guys have a great night. I have to go find a dress shirt to wear for the next episode since I got called out. (laughs) Bye, everyone. Take care.